0: Okay, everybody, welcome to Kremlin File, and we have a treat.
1: Each of our guests over the past three weeks shared a bonus uh, spooky story with us. This episode will be a
0: compilation of them. With the stories from Chris Burgess, Stephanie Hartel, Stephen Hall, and John Cipher. This is our last installment of Olga October Spooky Stories. KGB style. Olga, I saw a really strange, strange article about Halloween in Russia being banned.
1: When the Kremlin needs uh, some kind of propaganda,
0: yeah, they, pull they it out. attack
1: Western holidays yeah, exactly. and suddenly care about family values. Yeah, exactly. Like our Republican sure, Party. Right,
0: right. I mean, the way Putin acts, you know, and he's banning Halloween is absolutely crazy.
1: It's ridiculous because while Putin is busy banning Halloween, the Kremlin in itself is a Halloween series. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I guess without any further ado, let's, okay, go with the spooky stories of October. But actually, before we do that, Olga, have you got a spooky story to tell us?
1: One day I um had just, you know, finished research for the day, settled down to watch Maddow, right when she was discussing someone's assassination. Suddenly, my TV turns black. I get a weird symbol like in the corner Ooh. of my TV, and then some lyrics with the music volume going up and down, up and down. I actually took photographs. Really? And I was like, "Oh my god!" It lasted about a minute, and then oh um, disappeared. Okay, went back to scary. regular program. Went. Oh god. Yeah. God went back to regular programming with Maddo. And then I was like, because I DVR'd her show at the time, I went back to the DVR to replay it. Zero interruption on oh, oh God, the that, recorded Okay. okay that's so, I mean, that's yeah, really scary. That was another that actually- spooky thing. And that was around the same time Russia had hacked C-SPAN for right, a minute. Right, right, right. They hacked like several things and, you know, and, so it was it was a very bizarre time in like wow. 2017 where I feel that they were trying to scare anyone off well, from actually looking into a ty- Kremlin ties
0: with Trump. So okay, well, nothing like that has ever happened to me, yeah, so I can't contribute times. on this <laughs> one. But I think we should now cut to okay the scary stories and <sighs> maybe our listeners. won't. Will- We'll see which of these actually was the scariest, okay?
1: I have photos. I worked on trying to figure out what happened. Spooky
2: October.
0: Is there a spooky story that you can tell us from your experiences?
2: Spookiest one, or at least the one that freaked me out the most, was uh, when I was living in Russia. Um, So um, my husband and I were both living there. And uh, he was back in the United States uh, for meetings. I was there by myself. And we lived in a big townhouse on the U.S. Embassy compound. Wow. And um, so I was up on the third floor asleep. And my dogs, I had two dogs at the time, two little Scotties, that basically mm-hmm. had the run of the first floor. I know, they're great. They're very friendly, scotty dogs. Yeah. Um, they did not sleep in their kennels. I had their kennels in the storage area on the first floor, but they just like ran the place on the first floor. So I came down in the morning <laughs> um, and the dogs are nowhere to be found, and they're usually, like, at the <gasps> bottom of the steps of waiting for me, like, let's go out, let's eat. And so I went and I looked around, and in one of the rooms on the first floor, they were in there, in their crates, locked into their crates. And so <gasps> I'm like, well, Oh, my right. God. Oh. So I'm like, what the heck? And so then I uh, looked, I let them out, and they were fine. Um, and then I looked in the corner, and there were all these wire cuttings. As oh. if somebody had come in in the night and done some updating of the equipment in the house, probably surveillance equipment. And um, they just left it there, as if to say, we were here. And oh. they left the dogs and in the crates. to put your dogs <laughs> away. Yeah. It yeah. didn't hurt the dogs. Um, the dogs are super friendly, and I'm sure we're just bothering them as they were trying to do their work. Um, but they left everything there as like a little screw you, I felt. Yeah. Um, like we were here, and this is what yeah. we were doing. Um really interesting wow. that I mean the really the Russians run the US Embassy compound. There's hundreds of them that work there. And so if they want to come into your house, they can. Um wow. interestingly, wow. there are no Americans allowed to work at the US at the Russian embassy in uh in no. Washington, DC. And why do they yeah.
0: allow it? Like the Russian the, the American Embassy has to have like they have to agree. They do have Russians working there? No, then why do they do it?
2: Uh, they do it just to be you know kind to the host nation. Um, I think that there's a sense of we're Americans, we're inclusive, we are appreciative of being in your country, we, you know, want to honor the host nation and help the host nation. And so we have, you know, hundreds uh, of them on there. Um, wow. And they really, really run the embassy in essence. And so the fact that they have keys to get into the house, but my, the, the spookiness is that I was up there sleeping during all of this. Oh, man, and
0: that is.
2: Oh. I know. Yeah, I'm sure you know, they that's like those about
0: stories. not calling. Yeah. No, that's right? like those like, stories that you're asleep in your bed and a and you know, a, a a thief comes into the bedroom, you know, and he's looking yeah. at you. You know, or that kind of thing. Uh, that's horrible. Yeah, or I have, yeah. Feeling, <laughs> I
2: have a feeling they were watching somehow to make sure I stayed asleep while they were downstairs doing whatever it oh, was they were doing. That yeah. that is that's that is creepy. Okay, I mean, that
0: is spooky. I, I mean, we, go, we have you at least a, here like, you get a, We we you get would notify
1: The person like, hi, we'll be doing work in your house at this time, not like locking your dogs away. I mean, uh, yeah. If there's a
2: competition among spooky stories, I hope I win. Spooky October.
1: What is the craziest story you have to tell
0: in your time?
3: uh, (laughs) Okay, crazy. We want (laughs) a
0: crazy, Christopher.
1: We
3: want a crazy. (laughs) Well, there is a humorous story. So uh, around uh, a couple years before I retired, uh, I was in the field. Uh, my wife and I were invited back to uh, Washington so that I would get a, a very distinguished award. Uh, and they had a whole award ceremony, et cetera. I was allowed to bring my fan- my kids in. So my kids were living with their mother uh, right. in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went to uh, the um, pick them up. And my eldest son knew where I worked, but my youngest son did not. And he was in high school. My eldest son was out of school. And so I picked them up, put them in the rental car, drove with my wife and I into uh, the headquarters of the CIA. We badged in, uh, walked through the hallowed hall where the memorial is, through the badge readers, got them in. My son is just going, this is so cool. Right? My youngest, (laughs) right? My eldest son is going, so this is where it is, right? So they're having different wow. reactions, but they're not talking to each other. They're just reacting differently. Right. We go to the awards suite. Where we have a, a, a mingle. We sit down. And they call me up for the award. And they're mm-hmm. going through this long litany of whatever it was that I had accomplished and how it was, It was, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, <laughs> it, it, it uh, was uh, required this, that, and the other. And my youngest is sitting next to his stepmom. And he leans over to her and he goes, that's my dad. I thought he was a dweeb. Oh. And he doesn't exactly say this in a stage whisper. Right? And so without, you know, and without missing a beat, the, the senior agency official who was about to give me this award says, and remarkably, the entire world thought that he was a dweeb, but in reality, he wasn't.
0: Oh that's great. <laughs> okay, Christopher. Great, great, great. Great. My that's... kids
3: still think I'm a dweeb.
0: Aw. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Aww.
3: No. No. Okay. No,
0: absolutely
3: not. No. <laughs> oh that's yes, we do.
1: like we like
3: dweebs. We're fine with dweebs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Any overseas stories that you have that were like crazy?
3: Well, there was this time I was out to meet an asset. Uh-huh. In the dark of night. Ooh, And we like those I'm, things. I'm sitting in this uh, park uh-huh. and I'm waiting for the asset to walk into the park. And so we'll have a, a few moments together to discuss uh, the goings on. Right. And I see this activity occur off in the distance, but close enough that they possibly could see me. So I dive to the ground to get out of sight. Mm-hmm. I dove right into a cow paddy. Oh my god! So I'm I'm laying there, covered in cow shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, after that these that is folks,
1: spooky and crazy uh, and yeah,
3: so after these right. people if leave, the I get time, up and I walk. I walk in. I have my meeting, and uh, the individual I was uh, encountering goes, "Man, you smell like shit." And I said, <laughs> "No, I know I do. You know, look what I happened just happened to me." And so uh, that that is my. Uh, you know, that's, that's going to be in my memoir under the uh, <laughs> you know, the more humorous is- side of espionage.
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, Did man. they say that during the award? <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: they didn't. <laughs> the award had nothing to do with cows.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> Spooky October.
0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. H-E-L-P.
1: It is professional therapy done securely online. All you
0: need to do is log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist.
1: The service is available for clients worldwide.
0: BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free for therapists if needed.
1: Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily.
0: And join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And there's a special offer for Kremlin File listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com forward slash Kremlin File. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today
1: okay October during your time and i'm sure you have several what is one of the spookiest or <laughs> craziest stories that happened while you were on the job
4: can i go first on that one
1: go <laughs> he just want me to take a good one I <laughs> you- <laughs> uh,
4: and, and, and and i this is a, this is a story i often use when i Talk to school groups and, and such, and it's actually Steve's story. That's why I wanted to jump in. <laughs> I knew it. Jump in first. I knew it because I know. I know, because we were to Moscow together for the first time, and um, and it, I, I think it sort of sums up sort of the mentality of how the Russians view intelligence, what it's like to work in Moscow, what kind of oppressive environment it is there. When we go to Russia, you know, it sounds like hyperbole to say we're followed all the time, but we're followed all the time. Mm. I mean, if I left my mm. apartment at two thirty in the morning on a Tuesday Everyone else, guys, were out there smoking cigarettes, ready to pick me up. I, I, I say wow. my house had audio and video in it. My house had audio and video in that bathroom, bedroom, every, I mean, constantly. Everywhere you went, you were followed. Everyone you talked to was questioned. They were zapping the embassy with microwaves. They were trying to break into the embassy. They were trying to suborn people wow. and, every, and use people against us. But this is a story I often use just because it's sort of, I think it's pretty funny. And so Steve is a big runner, at least he was back in the day. He sort of he's sort of skinny, and I'm sort of thick. So some people are built to run away, and some people are built to stand and fight. But that aside, so Steve so it's springtime, and Steve's getting ready to go on his first first run because you know a long, nasty, cold, dark Russian winter. And so he comes back to his you know tall, sort of crappy Russian apartment building. And puts on his shoes and gets ready to go for a run and goes down the elevator through the courtyard, and sort of out into the big street, works his way from Leninsky Prospect over to Gorky Park to go for a run through the gates of Gorky Park. Goes for a run, uh, comes back, goes to work the next day, comes home, gets ready to go for a run again, and one of his shoes is one of his shoes is missing. And oh. he's pretty—he's a pretty meticulous sort of you know guy. He's like, wow, that's a little weird. So. You know, couldn't go for a run that day, but goes back to work the next day. And at that time, you know, there weren't a lot of shops, but he got, was able to get out during the day and get to the Reebok shop and get a new pair of sneakers. And so that night he comes home after sort of again, a long day working and decides he's, you know, go for a run. He's going to do it all the, you know, this is part of his routine. And so he goes for a run, same thing down in Gorky Park along the Nabarajna and, and, and on the water and back, uh, comes back the next day and one of his shoes is gone again. And so so he goes, okay, I see what's going on in here. So he (laughs) walks into his living room, looks up at the ceiling and says, okay, here's the deal. I need to run, I'm gonna run every day. And here's what I'm gonna do. At 6.45, I will leave this, I will cross the street here. I'm gonna go this way. My route is done this, I'll be coming back (laughs) out loud. Explain this whole route to his ceiling, knowing that there's listening device in the ceiling. And when he goes to work the next day, and when he comes back the next day to go for a run, both sets of shoes are back in place in his bedroom. Oh. <laughs> and when he, goes, when he, when he makes, goes through those gates of, of Gorky Park, he sees his surveillance cars up sort of in front of him, open the, the boot of the car, and out come little foldable bicycles so they can follow him around the park. Oh, so my God. What had happened wow. is that the surveillance teams who follow you all the time weren't ready for him to go running, and they were embarrassed, and they probably had to tell their bosses, oh, oh we, didn't, we weren't ready, and we lost them. And so that was their way of signaling to him that was unacceptable. And until he communicated wow. to them and made their job easier, that was the game they were wow. going to play.
1: So they're like little wow. <laughs> comments. Now,
5: now I gotta think up a John Cypher story. No, 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 that's probably not right. <laughs> Can wrong. I just ask
0: a question though? Because this surveillance thing kind of freaks me out. Like <laughs> if I think somebody is is watching me all the time, all the time, you must do training, right? To like what do you do? Do you just get it it's out of your training. mind? We How do you handle through- it?
4: We actually do go through psychological testing beforehand. So essentially, you know, if you're married and your spouse, you know, they need to understand that your children are going to be watched and tailed to school. They're going to watch you have sex in bed. They're going to watch what you're doing. They're going to listen to your fights. And so unless unless you're ready for that and understand that and understand what you can say at home and what you can't say at home, it's a real problem. And a lot of people are turned down because of the psychological testing. And so, yeah, it's something, you know, it just becomes part of your second mind when you're out even if you're drinking you're with friends you know what you can say and not say wow you follow a place i was single i'd sometimes go on dates and i'd be like with with somebody and then they would be like survey thuggy surveillance guy sitting watching me taking pictures you know the date might not realize it and stuff so it's just it's part of your world it is probably meant in some fashion to you know rattle you to see if how you react to it you know if you have trouble with it maybe that gives them a reason to approach you um to try to get you off your game. And they also play games where they will put a lot of people on you to sort of press you and oppress you. And then other times they'll, they'll, they'll be way back to make you think, oh, maybe I'm not under surveillance so that maybe I'll I'll, I'll act. Oh, wow. When, it, when in right, fact, right, right. They're, where they're just putting more resources on you.
0: Wow, that's like psych. No, that wouldn't be good and for Olga and I, add, because we just basically exactly. blurt out everything that and we And just think. to add, that's yeah. exactly
1: what Soviet citizens and Russian citizens go through. My mom walked out every morning yeah. without fail, KGB standing yeah. there. She got a new job. They came, yanked her out of her job. And, you know, took her into KGB headquarters for questioning and there goes that job. So it was the same. I mean, and now with Russia, they do the same thing. You tweet something, retweet something. Yesterday, a human rights activist was the first one to be charged under a foreign agent act for writing congratulations for the Nobel Peace Prize. So he got charged for writing congratulations so i mean it's horrible what they do to westerners and what they are i mean putin has really brought the soviet tactics back now to how it was yeah how so what is your um stories go ahead
0: steve we have to beat the
1: sneakers we're We're freaking out out. i think uh, Okay.
5: I, th- I think, I think the creepiest, um, experience, um, and there are a number to, to choose from, but <clears throat> for me, the, the sort of best combination I think of creepy and, and sort of, um, also just having a lot of impact, um, was mm-hmm. there was a time uh, when I was in, uh, when I was in Moscow and we had a very, very senior, uh, leader, uh, CIA, uh, come, uh, to, to visit. And that happened rarely, but in this particular case, there was a reason to do it. Um, and. So in this, uh, again, I'm using air quotes or so this liaison relationship, so this contact we have with the Russian intelligence services um, happens in the Lubyanka, of course, which is a very, you know, infamous uh, building. Um, yeah. And, you know, there were countless, you know, countless dissidents and just regular Soviets and, and, and Russians, you know, killed uh, at the hands of guys like, you know, Felix Straczynski in uh, in the basement of that building. Uh, and so it was creepy enough to have meetings uh, with the Russian intelligence service in a in a building where Iron Felix, uh, you know, was reputed to come to his morning meeting, shooting his uh, you know shooting his shirt cuffs and trying to get a couple of the blood stains the the blood spatter off of it because he had just shot somebody in the head in the basement. So that's the building that you have those meetings in. And we had the senior headquarters visitor come in. And when you have somebody senior come in, they take you through sort of like the you know the big entrance, the main entrance. And so the, the, the cars dropped us off and we walked through that main entrance into the Lubyanka and immediately to the right is a huge, and I don't just mean like a little bus that sits on your desk, but I mean probably several tons of copper, uh, the bus of Felix Drzinski greeting you as you walked into the Lubyanka. And of course, you know, my senior visitor just kind of, just kind of walked past without, without even looking at it. And I looked at it and I said, God, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to a meeting with people who are essentially celebrating, again, their Czechist past, their oppressive, you know, murdering past. It would not be. And I explained this to, to the senior officer later on when we were back in secure spaces in the embassy. I said, you realize that walking into the Lubyanka past that 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 bust of Felix Dzerzhinsky. It would be essentially no different if you were visiting Germany and you were visiting the German intelligence services and you went into BND headquarters and there on the right is a statue of Hitler or Goebbels or somebody like that. There is very little moral difference between those things. And to me, that was just that was just chilling um, that we were in that building with all those deaths. And that man celebrated at the entrance, you know, with a senior official. That just that 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 gave me the heebie jeebies. Oh, man. While well, it would. And it John, would. you it can't would. get
1: away. Do okay. you have a story? <laughs> what happened to you? Oh, that
4: was my other story. Your own personal shoes, not yours. Uh, when I first went to Moscow, I was, you know, under undercover. Now the Russians knew who I was, so it was sort of a fake thing. But the embassy, when I got there, had a little trip from the embassy to the KGB Museum, which is also in Lili Blanca. And I remember walking around with, you know, 15 sort of non-intelligence Americans and then me through their little museum, and the first room you come into is sort of a big official room with nice carpet with paintings of all the heads of the OGPU, the KGB, the Cheka, all the way around. And it was so that, so the Guy dutifully goes to each one and gives a little talk. You know, this was, you know, he rent the He was the most important very He was Stalin's aide. He was this and that. And he was then killed as an enemy of the people. And then they moved on to the next <laughs> one. Like, But this is what Eric is it, it, the most important. He was, he, he and won this he was award. killed. And then he was killed as an enemy. And you go around this whole thing. You're like, this is this job is not something <laughs> you, <laughs> you want. Know, you get to kill a couple million people, but you're going to buy the plan at some point. <laughs> like, That's what a, what a imagine imagine
1: recruiting <laughs> (laughs) Uh, youth into uh, Russian intelligence services there. Like the Russian intelligence. Okay, here, meet this one. You know, he worked for us and did this. And he died. And that one. Yeah.
4: But what's an interesting point is, at least during the Soviet Union, they had this sort of, they had this communist ideal, and they had created this sort of nationalist, this nationalist ethos around communism and stuff. And so that, you know, Russian intelligence officers and others around the world saw themselves as a superpower and working towards something bigger and better and more powerful. But you have to think about, you know, one of the things we see now with the use of Novichok and the use of nerve agents and the murder of of their citizens around the world and and at home, Navalny, is um, I think they have to, you know, Putin is sending a message. He knows that those Russians, official Russians that work on his behalf, no longer have that view of them as a superpower they all know the system's corrupt. They know their bosses are making tons of money. They know yeah. that, you know, Putin's one of the richest men in the world. But in that case, the czar, the Putin, the Kremlin, has to make clear to those people who work for him there's a cost to pay. And that's why, you know, when there's people like Skripal, they don't just, you know, hit him in the head with a hammer or make it look like he, had, he was yeah. robbed, you know. They use, Signature. make it clear that the state sanctioned this murder. And that the state will always reach out and find you and kill you and kill the people you care about because those people have to understand, okay, you know, my, everyone above me is corrupt. Maybe I can just, maybe I'll do a deal with the devil and I'll work with the CIA or I'll work with the British or what have you. Um, That's why Putin has to sort of, you know, use the services as his weapon to punish those people and make it really clear as a message to everybody else that there's no room to maneuver.
0: Yep. 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 That's tough. Huh. Well, that's you know, that's. Yes. that's, that's way it no, is. it's the it's, yeah. way it is, right? No, it just reminds me of a mafia don, <clears throat> you know. Uh, yeah. as long, they keep you as long as you're useful, and then, no, you're not useful anymore, so you're out kind of thing. So
2: but I don't know whether it's new, comparable. You, you no. know,
0: if
4: you look at Russian intelligence in the lead up to World War II, uh, arguably they were more focused on finding and liquidating trotsky enemies of the people than they yeah, were on okay. figuring out what that's hitler, hitler yeah. was up to right so yeah. you know that's it's just part of part and parcel of a yeah. system yeah. and a service whose goal is keep the leadership in power at all costs so domestically no opposition internationally enemies always have to be off balance and so you know and and the willingness to use brutality to do that and so that it's In some ways it's just not different they're they're going to do whatever they have to do to keep putin in power because that's where that's where their money is
0: yep yeah but we're going to continue to shout them out okay and uh get this information out because exactly on the flip side though uh, uh, i have to
1: say that i don't i can't ever picture kgb agents like with the same Skripal drinking and partying the night before. Like (laughs) that's the one little change I have seen between Soviet um, intelligence and Russian intelligence that they are. I mean, I don't Mm -hmm. think they go to the bathroom without getting permission. Whereas here, it's like uh, the reason we even found out about the agents were because they had a party in the hotel room, you know, and That just shows you that even Putin's agencies, I mean, they're that, and that makes them more dangerous because they are, you know, um, more sloppy these days.
0: Yeah.
4: I don't, you know, there's sort of that view out there that because they've been caught, they're sloppy. And I don't know if I buy it completely (laughs) because, you know, there's a couple of things. First of all, as people who did this for a living, Stephen, it's much harder in this day and age to to cover all of your tracks with big yeah. data out there and cameras yeah. and databases of every piece of travel and hotel rooms. that all can be pulled together by you know, almost any country. It's harder to completely go under the radar and, and do these yeah. things. And so, you know, getting caught is, you know, is part of the business. And the question is, how many times were they successful? Yeah you know, what that happened is the British got a piece of information here that allowed them to put together all this stuff, to pull the cameras, to go back to the hotels, to test and pull all that stuff together. How many times were Russians and GRU and others successful going out and killing people and doing these things that didn't come across, you know? And so, so if, if they're killing 20 people and one time it gets, Very it, true. it comes out, yeah. I, I think Putin's okay with that. And he's okay with it because at the end of the day, you still want to send that message that we're killing people who, who cross me. And so, I think I think he's comfortable with the fact, you know, he probably doesn't want it to happen. But when it does, it's not that big a deal. It still
5: meets his needs. No, I think I think what John said earlier is true. Sometimes he doesn't care because it's part of the operation to sow that terror. So, you know, it's it's OK if if Skripal's, uh, uh, you know, attempted murders. Uh, in retrospect, turned out to be GRU guys, because the message is Skripal used to work for the GRU. Skripal thought he was safe after spying. And what happened? The GRU reached out and came very close to killing him and his daughter. And that's part of the message. So, you know, these two GRU boneheads get, you know, get caught and do this ridiculous interview back in Moscow. But it's all, you know, the message still goes out to all current and, and former GRU officers, look, we're going to come for you and your family if you guys screw it up and, and, and start working with the other side. So, yeah, I think in that case it's, and in other cases, it's certainly less sloppiness than it is just simply, we don't care. They ought to know that we came for them. Hey,
0: everybody. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and please visit our website, KremlinFile.com. This is Season 1, Kremlin File, hosted by Olga Lautman and me, Monique Mara. This is a Bunker Crew Media production with executive producers Marley Clements, Jack Bryan, Grant Desimone, Ben Brett, and Jordy Mycellus of Midas Media, with associate producers Ruby Frankel and Sarah Metz. Theme music by Oreste Camarra Sound editing and mixing by Joy Ellett. Subscribe to Kremlin File wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: When I was um uh, you know, involved in research into Russia and Trump ties, uh, somebody hacked my, um, Amazon and decided to send
2: a set of knives to Philadelphia.